They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Welcome back, everybody, to Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Um, hope everybody's doing well. I'm here um, with yet another guest uh, who's a Twitter follower and, I guess, friend from the internet, as I'd call it. Um, Andy Rodriguez, who I have never met and never had an actual conversation with till about five minutes ago. <laughs> so um, you guys get to hear us getting to know each other. Andy, do a quick little intro to yourself before uh, we jump into this. So uh, I'm Andy. I'm 23, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And um, mostly um, here because, um, you know, I know Chris because uh, I was, you know, listening to the Chipman Brothers tangent uh, because mm-hmm. I followed Bob and, uh, you know, dug the show and started listening to your other podcasts. And basically it was when you were like, I'm looking for guests, I was like, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to talk to him. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's so cool, you know. This is not, uh, you've probably heard me say it before, but if you haven't, you know, this, this is not something I would have thought would be in my wheelhouse of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, uh, you know, as my brother would put it, I'm like the robot that did what society wanted me to do. <laughs> and he carves his own path. And so me putting hours and hours of my voice out on the internet, I didn't think anyone would be interested in, but uh, he hit me with a pitch. Um, saying that, you know, his guests wanted him to do a podcast. He had guested on a bunch. I had guested on ones that my friends had did, but never really thought Bob would want to include me in anything um, outside of, I was basically the production assistant slash idea guy behind the majority of the game overthinker stuff that was um, all the funky live action stuff he did right um so we had a lot of fun spitballing that but i think we had a lot more fun doing that than maybe people had fun watching it but um <laughs> it, it was it was still it was just like us you know being six years old again with a camera hanging right. out in the woods every ninja and random bad guy was always me um yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I loved it to death and uh so when he came to me and said you know all oh, the fans want a podcast i was like oh what it'll be about. And he's like, it'll just be you and I talking about whatever the hell we want to talk about. And, um, people seem to like it. You know, the, the early comments that we got was, you know, it's like listening in on a conversation, uh, on the phone, like between, you know, two brothers or whatever. And it's actually really interesting. And it went from there and about four or five episodes into it, he had shown up and had made me a Patreon and it (laughs) said, all right, this is yours. And I'm like, oh, my, my, mine to do what? And he goes, to create stuff. It's yours. And I went, ah, oh. uh, crap. So it's funny because I'll, I'll coordinate with him and I'll be like, what do you want to talk about? He goes, dude, it's your show. He goes, I spend my entire every day coming up with crap that I have to do. He says, you tell me what I'm talking about. And I'm like, all right, this will be fun. So that's where uh, this show came from is the, oh, the idea of the idea of this show is I said, you know, I really enjoy that type of approach talking with Bob. And I bet there's a whole lot of other people out there that are like-minded that we could have a similar, interesting conversation, but I don't want to have it be on the show I do with Bob. Right. So right. I came, I came up with another one and what's cool is it, you know, I can have someone like you that just wants to come on and talk about whatever. Yeah. And then I also, you know, have had, 
you know, people that have worked on movies and I was thinking of, you know, getting local bands on and kind of turn it into like a late night show, you know, kind of interview where it, it'll have, you know, every, every, every people like me and then whoever else I can get my hands on. So we'll see. Um, Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. And like just a really fun idea. Yeah. And I, and people eat it up. So, um, I, I don't know if you saw on the, the brother podcast, the Talkbuster podcast, I got the um, entire crew and staff of uh, the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon to sign a hoodie sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah, I just caught up with that. so cool. That is <laughs> so cool. Just, God, I mean, I, once again, I'm pretty young. I've, I'm probably, like, among the like youngest you can be that still has memories of going to blockbuster yeah because you, you said you're 23 yeah so oh my god so <laughs> so you were born in 96 oh boy yeah yep. yeah wow <laughs> so definitely when i still lived back in uh san antonio texas uh we had a, a blockbuster in our neighborhood and I remember we would go there pretty much uh, once a week and we would get our rentals and it was always a good time. My dad loved renting movies, still does, just now he has to go to Redbox or queue up Netflix and whatnot. You know, it's not exactly the same thing, but right, uh, right, right. lots of fun memories. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, with that, you know, you you reminded me of the plugging part of the show where, hey, people that are listening, if you want to win that Blockbuster sweatshirt, um, which is being funded by my all of these shows are funded by my Patreon, patreon.com slash the Chippa. If you get me up to three hundred and fifty bucks, which the more of you that are already patrons of mine that just increase your patronage is more of a chance of you winning it. But if we get new people in too, that's awesome. Sustainable. Get me up to 350. I'm going to pick someone at random to win the sweatshirt. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. Again, that's the Chipman Brothers Tangent, which we've just been talking about. This right. podcast, Shooting the Shit, the Talkbuster podcast, and Creating Geeks, which I do with my wife, which um, was the first podcast I created that wasn't the one Bob and I already had going. And right. That one's a lot of fun, too. It's a lot more focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that's cool, man. So um, before we get more into just random blabbering about fun stuff, um, I uh, wanted to play a game. And okay. you'll, you'll be the second person who, outside of me and my goofy friends on lunch break at work, um, who came up with this. So we've been throwing movie games around. It kind of started off with us going, we should play six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Have you ever heard right. of that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar. Okay. And we're like, you know what? We can, we can do this. We can come up with another game. So we have ones like, you know, um, inappropriate laugh track, you know, where you have to come up with like the worst scene in a particular movie that it would be really inappropriate if there was a laugh track. Most oh, of them end up in Schindler's List. I was just about to say uh, <laughs> everything Schindler's List. Or yeah, like mo- portrait of a serial killer. Right, right, right. Um, 120 Days of Sodom. You know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, we also came up with the director speed dating, which mm-hmm. was really fun. Um, wanna you know you take like let's say. Um, Guillermo del Toro and Robert Rodriguez and you 
and you and you put them in a room together and one person plays one one person plays the other and you have to come up with a movie script but in speed dating style so it's like <laughs> back and forth like you know so you got um robert rodriguez it's about an underage girl who has daddy issues and then guillermo del toro who is also a bug <laughs> you know and like r- random stuff like yeah. that um, so so but Sounds then about right yes but then my favorite my favorite one that when i started thinking about it it really kind of it fell into the it could be done like cards against humanity style with yeah. you know a randomly drawn card and then everyone has a hand of cards and they throw it on their answer and it's subjective based on the um, person whose turn it is um and what they're, you know, picking and the crowd kind of guessing, you know, what they'll think is funny, vice versa. We had this thing going around called right quote, wrong movie. And it's right now sitting in a hundred quotes strong, um, right. just over lunch break, me and, you know, a couple of friends just started filling it out. It's a Google doc. So we're, we're filling it out as we go, but I've created a random number generator that picked 10 for you and sent them to you. So I barely even looked at what they were. They just showed up and I sent them All and right. then. It did the same for me and then same thing for the movies. I've picked three rounds. And to give you an example of the type of stuff I'm looking for, I my favorite one that I've been able to come up with out of my head is if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. The passion of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of that's kind of the idea. So you've got ten, I've got ten. And I guess again, there's no real rules because we're just kind of I'm spitballing this, but um, the first round, and again, if you haven't seen the movie, I can draw another, if, okay. if, if that's right. Have you ever seen Peter Jackson's Bad Taste? I have not. Okay, let me draw a new one. Pick a number. Just say a number. 27. 27 in a row. Evil Dead. Have you ever seen Evil Dead? I have seen Evil Dead. Okay, and if any of your quotes are from Evil Dead, um, just don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got um, one right. army of darkness, but uh Yes, okay. Yeah. So I'll let you go first. So you've got ten quotes in front of you. Pull one out for the evil dead for me. Alright. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. That's evil perfect. Dead. I don't think I'm gonna be able to come up with a better one than that. Let's see. Um do. Oh no, I got one. You know, it looks like rigor mortis is setting in. Return of the Living Dead, <laughs> very <laughs> Evil Dead. So, um, what do you think out of those two? Which one? Which one are you more, are you more partial to? Uh, I gotta go with the rigor mortis. It's... Sweet. All right. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm gonna say so too. So so we have a vote for me in round one. And like I told you before, when I put this out there, it's gonna be interactive. So the people listening, I'll put a poll up for like two days. And okay. It, it's cool. I don't know. I'm just trying to get. Yeah. Come up with more fun things. Um, I don't know if you've heard in any of the shows. My, my, our uh, late, my late father, my and my brother's dad, always mm-hmm. wanted to be a radio DJ. So okay. I always think of you know part of this is maybe some deep down inside instinctual thing from him, yeah. of like just yeah. wanting to talk into a microphone to people. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's simply something deeply satisfying about doing that. I did college radio for a oh, bit. Oh, so cool! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I did that for about two years with a friend of mine, and uh, it was kind of a, it was actually took a lot of inspiration from, like, some of the podcasts I listened to in uh, Bob's shows, and uh, it was a lot of fun doing that. Oh, cool, man. Put a pin in that. That's the first thing we'll talk about yeah. um, okay. right, after, right after we finish this game, because I, 
that's fascinating. It's it's cool to hear from, you know, again, I'm I'm 35. You're not that much younger than me, but right. 10 years is a decade, right? Right. So right. it's interesting to hear the college radio show I did was inspired by a podcast is a very weird flip in the other direction, right? Right. <laughs> it, um, anyway, we'll, we'll get there. So the next movie, if you've seen it, and if not, I'll let you pick another number, is Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton classic. <laughs> All right. Have you seen it? Uh, I have not, but I'm like familiar with the iconography of it. Okay, cool. So you're familiar enough to throw a quote on it. So cool. Let's do it. All right. So I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, Later, let's play global thermonuclear war. (laughs) And that quote's originally from War Games, if, which is a fantastic quote. Yeah. All right, so um, which which one? I actually really like yours. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, not to, to sound particularly vain, but I'm partial to mine. Yeah. No. All right, cool. So a round for me, round for you. So the last, then, is the Ten Commandments. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> Okay, I got a quote for this one. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Shit. <laughs> I am not going to be able to... Okay, let's see. Uh... Home. I have no home. Hunted, despised, living like an animal. The jungle is my home. Bride of the Monster. <laughs> Ten Commandments. I still think solid. yours is better. Oh man, no, that's the when, best I as had. As you said Ten Commandments, I was like, I got this. I could have used "Bring Out the Gimp" too. Oh, I actually have a Pulp Fiction quote on here. That's awesome. Or, <laughs> or an erection is a flagpole on your grave. The road to Wellville. <laughs> anyway, so so okay, so that's how that's played. So you you got me two to one. All right. So that we'll see fun. we'll see what the audience thinks. Yeah, I mean I. Uh, I'm, I can't say who it is, but I've got uh, a podcast scheduled for midsummer with a okay. board game manufacturer. Okay. Um, and again, unrelated to this, um, I just met him at a convention and was a big fan and was talking and he's going to be on the show. But I'm going to see if there's any merit or how I would go about if, you know, when I get more thrown together, turning this into a game. Because I okay. think... Uh, so that's why I'm playing it on the podcast is to try to get some feedback. People seem to like it so far. It yeah. hasn't actually aired on the podcast. I've only ever hinted at it. Okay. I just recorded two nights ago the first time I've ever played this with anyone on the air. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So that's, that's so, so thank you. Test. Yes. Thank you for indulging me. Um, also, you know, it, it's funny. I was playing. Uh, have you heard they made a blockbuster board game? Uh, I saw that you had uh, gotten that in that uh, package of yours. Yes, yeah, so we we played it yesterday with my friend, um, who's going through some rough times. He was one of my store managers or one of my managers when I worked there, and we had an absolute blast. We were in tears. It's it's kind of similar to to this game, but instead of it being, um, you know, uh, the right quote wrong movie thing, it's just really quick like head on head to head like how quick can you come you you basically get the name of a movie on a card and the person who wins the head to head round which is going back and forth until you can't come up with an answer anymore so it'll be like oh name 
a movie with a you know uh, a female protagonist. You know, when you go back and forth and back and forth until someone doesn't get it before the buzzer runs out. Then the winner of that round picks six cards, and they all have a name of a movie. And you pick the three easiest ones for your team and the three hardest ones for the other team. And then you have to put them on. You have to act out to guess that movie. You have to quote it to get that movie. And you have to say one word that will make the other person figure it out. And so you could be stuck with really easy stuff and give the other team a movie they've never seen. And it's a lot of fun. It's an ingenious, simple game that, you know, all that to okay. do is be movie themed and it's a blockbuster game, right? But it was Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. That sounds super fun. Is that for sale like currently? Yeah, Target sells it. Okay. So I got it from the the Blockbuster and Bend. Um what happened is the manufacturer of the game gifted them a bunch of copies to sell. All right. And so that I, you know, have them on from time to time and I called them up and I was working out getting that hooded sweatshirt figured out anyway. And I said, you know right. what? I, if I'm going to get this game, which there's no way I'm not going to get this game, I'm going to buy it from you. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's solid. That's solid. Yeah. And they're, they're really cool. Um, I actually just recorded with them again Friday night. So I'm having them on every couple of months just to update the world. Yeah. Which is really cool, right? I mean, they... Yeah, no, it's a super dope thing. They've got, you know, all of these big news broadcasts on, and they're talking to, you know, some guy in Boston on the other side (laughs) of the friggin' country. And um, what they always tell me when I bring that up is they go, don't be so down on yourself. They go, for all the fanfare and everything, we get like 10 minutes with those guys. You, You get an hour, an hour and a half with us every time we talk to you. So... Whose show do you think we'd rather be on? And I'm like, right. all right, that's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why I, you know, tuned in. You know, you hooked me in with a Chipman Brothers tangent, and then Talkbusters. What kept me around? It was uh, just oh, kind of listening to, to that. It. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, dude. And now, and now you're actually part of it. Yeah, about it's that. wild. It's wild. <laughs> um, it's it's incredibly. Uh, it's incredibly cool how both nerve wracking because, you know, I didn't used to be as um, outgoing with this kind of stuff, like finding me doing something like this or doing karaoke when I was younger. No way, no way. But I still get nervous before these. Cause it's like, not that like my guest isn't going to be good, but that I won't be good for you. It's, oh, it's no. a weird I, level of nerves. I absolutely right? feel the same way and anytime I have guested on a show I have been like oh my god am I gonna be the bad guest am I gonna be the one who's not really you know keeping up with the host or even when I did my talk show in college I was just like oh man like am I ready for this you know are nerves gonna get to me people are gonna be listening to me you know it's it's very understandable it's cool, man. And so, so with that, we put a pin in this earlier. Tell me about your college radio show. Yeah. So uh, in college uh, for about two years. So uh, beginning second semester of my freshman year to first semester of my junior year, uh, me and a friend of mine uh, did a talk show called Spoiler Alert uh, at my college, uh, Truman State down in Missouri. And, Love the uh, name of that show. That's a cool 
cool name already for yeah yeah and it was super fun um basically i just um i had this massive google doc that i had made um where i just kept making just various topics on just whatever came to my mind uh based off just like i read like someone's thread on twitter and someone's like makes like some sort of comparison about like oh you know the way like harry potter deals with legacy versus like hamilton and i'm like that's a weird comparison i want to talk about that for like 20 minutes on radio and so i would just do that and it was super fun yeah that's awesome so um did you did you have guests um it was just me and my friend. Um, what we would do is, um, so I had this, you know, long running Google doc, just like anytime I had an idea come up in my head, I'd pull up my phone or go to my laptop and just throw the idea on the Google doc. And then, you know, um, usually, you know, the night before we would do the show or, um, the day of like a couple hours beforehand, we would, you know, call each other up and plan our list of topics we would choose like two or three topics and maybe like some recent you know usually like movie tv comic book news to talk about right Uh, yeah and you know just like planning the topics a bit beforehand so we could kind of get a feel for each other of like what we were thinking about that topic and then kind of go on forward with that for the show oh that's awesome so um so how long did you do that? Like the whole, did you start that like freshman year you said, or were yeah, you? Yeah, freshman year, freshman to junior year. Wow. And how'd you fall into getting in, onto the radio in the first place? Was it just show interest and you can do it or? Um... Basically. So my friend, he already, our first semester, um, he was my neighbor in, uh, in our hallway in the dorms and, um, he started, um, a show at the radio state at the college radio station, um, KTRM and, uh, trying to remember 88.7, the edge. There we go. And, um, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, basically he had already started his own show called, uh, I think it was classics and cuts. And basically, um, we would just kind of get together and, you know, shoot the shit and we would just talk about things that interested us. And he was like, do you want to do a show together? I feel like it'd be a lot of fun. And I'd be like, hell yeah, yeah, let's do it. And so we ended up doing so. And we uh, basically, he was just like, yeah, I'll just, um, we'll just, you know, submit the form online saying that we want to do this show. And from there on, basically, we got a spot. Oh, that's fantastic. So do you have any, uh, I'll I'll put you on the spot. Do you have any topics similar to the types of ones you do on that show off the top of your head that have been itching to talk to somebody of similar, uh, tastes (laughs) and ideas with, or, um, um, oh man, I wonder if I still even have that Google doc around. Um, Wouldn't that be hilarious? Oh man. I just like, uh, it's. I just, I miss, I would go to that Google Doc regularly because, you know, it's just like something pops into my head and then like I'll forget about it in like two minutes. But like having that doc around just let me like keep all of that coherent. 
Oh yeah, uh, no, it happens all the time. I um I was com- talking to my buddy Steve, um, who's been on the Talkbuster podcast twice. He was one of my managers there, and he has a very, um, you know, like w- when you say you you have a group of friends and a group of like minded people, and it's like being in an echo chamber. Yeah. I always feel like I'm on my toes with Steve, and not like in a oh, you know, he's got different political views or there's nothing, it's nothing like negative or like toxic that would like affect a friendship, but he's always just on like a different side of a thing than everybody else. It's like, like you might go, oh yeah, we all went to the movies and we loved, you know, X movie. And he's like, you know, it didn't really do it for me. Like, and, and he'd have a really good, like well thought out reason where it's like, wow, that's, I didn't think of it that way. Well, I was talking about how I, and and I don't want to, me and him are going to do a podcast on this, so I don't want to ha- be – this is the thing we go on on. But I was talking about how the the precedent for the people making the Sonic the Hedgehog movie to come out and go, okay, well, you don't like the design. Fine, we heard you. We're going to change it. And a lot of people were like, oh, well – that's bullshit. You know, if, if you're making a movie, you have to go along with it. But I, I use the argument of, you know, I'm an engineer. Our product isn't a product until it's out in public, until right. someone is actually interacting with it before then it's being designed. So this is what, you know, market research and focus groups and everything that everybody hates is for you. You can change something up until the end. It hasn't been delivered to the public. Steve's side of the argument that came out was he even thinks that afterwards it's okay. And we got into a back and forth about the George Lucas edits to Star Wars. And so him and I, you know, we're going to have a big back and forth on it. And I think that'll make for a really interesting conversation because his side of it is he goes, well, it's the original guy that made the movie making the changes. So isn't that okay? And my argument is always going to be that they released the product. The product's out there. There was a film that people went to the theaters and saw called Star Wars A New Hope or just Star Wars when it came out, right? So if that existed and then you release something on video or in the movies and call it the special edition, cool. It's different. But now they just call it Star Wars A New Hope and they pretend that the original version never existed and you can't buy the original version. Right. And that's, but he doesn't think that's a problem. So him and I are going to go back and forth. It was supposed to happen last week, but he had to reschedule, but I think that's going to be a fun topic. So, um, you know, stuff like that. I, if I had a Google doc, that would be a good place to dump that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually just found my Google doc here. No way. <laughs> dude. Yeah. If, it's so my so student if, email still exists. So if, if you would indulge me because you brought it up and maybe indulge yourself, if you have something on there that you guys never covered on the show that you want to pull out here, immortalized forever um, is the, the return of, um, the spoiler <laughs> alert from the edge 88, seven FM. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I got a bunch of things here. Uh, various things. I got things from, uh, you know, I have some of the unused topics I had from the pre nine 11 X-Men one to Deadpool. What does the longest running superhero franchise say about changing tastes? I guess. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. let's see what else best versus most acting or why leonardo dicaprio is a great actor but had to eat a bison liver to get an oscar (laughs) 
<laughs> right here i go your your college years were like two years ago so <laughs> yeah yeah no, it was uh it was not that long ago so some of these um if they seem recent it's because they are no that's awesome just you know and i had to like recalibrate my brain because i think college and i think oh yeah that was over in 2008 <laughs> and yeah. that was and that was my master's degree oh god <laughs> yeah no, I just I just so, graduated with my bachelor's last year. So congratulations, dude! What what did Thank you get it in? Uh, English. English, awesome. And um, so oh, that's why you say you like to edit people's words on your. Yeah. <laughs> Are you an editor? Is that like your passion, or is that uh, just? I would enjoy doing that. I worked at my uh, university's writing center, um, while I was at school. So I did a lot of work, you know, uh, working and editing people's work and trying to get them to understand, you know. Yeah how to kind of like make their writing more clear and coherent and stuff. Uh, I just really enjoyed that a lot. That's awesome. I, uh, to give you an idea of, you know, college for me, when I walked into college the first day from my crazy commute and my inability to find parking, the cell phone that I had at the time, the only game it had on it was snake. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, yeah, it was a Nokia, one of those little Nokia like teardrop phones that were like half the size of your hand. Right. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at this like Galaxy 10 or whatever it is that I have here. And I'm like, that's wild, man. Like <laughs> no uh, GPS. Right. Right. You know, no. I had a, I had a book, a map book in the back of my car to figure out how to get from Lynn to Lowell, yeah. which is um. I don't know how I don't know how many miles. It's probably like 45, 48 miles or something from here. I don't know. Oh man. Yeah, I definitely uh just, you know, the advent of technology and various things. I remember um MapQuest being a big thing and I remember um my dad printing out, you know, the MapQuest instructions cuz my family was a big road trip family. Oh yeah, us too. Yeah. So I remember the pages and pages that he would print out because we would drive from like Texas to Florida and whatnot. Oh, nice. The AAA tip uh, triptychs. <laughs> yeah, uh, that it was just like you, it was MapQuest, but you had to go to AAA. You had to like request okay. it and then show up and they'd have like a packet all printed out for you. Very neat. But it was just MapQuest, you know. <laughs> but then they would also have a folder of the restaurants along the way. So, I mean, they, they did all of the stuff that the current stuff does for you. Just yeah. very very manual and analog. Um, so, oh, so, man, so back to that Google Doc. You brought up a couple of heavy topics, man. Um, that X-Men one, that's that's a tempting one. Yeah, yeah, no. I I remember I came up with that, and I guess... That even that one's a little bit dated now because since then we've had a uh, Logan and Deadpool two well, come out. Right, and I was gonna say so. Since then we had the, which I, I, maybe maybe we touch on this topic a little bit. We don't have to go into like you know three hours of this because I need to sleep. But um, yeah, definitely. Do you, so what what are your thoughts on um? Because I I like to talk about the X Men movies before they got bad. <laughs> which, oh, which, which I mean, like I feel that they were still outside of X three, which was just a mistake. I feel that they were still good through to about Days of Future Past, and then Logan is its own entity of its own, and Deadpool is kind of its own entity of its own. But oh man, 
was Apocalypse so bad? Oh, man, I have... And like, old man, does Phoenix look so bad? It looks real bad. It looks real bad. I feel sorry for that cast in general because there's a lot of good actors in there turning up for what looks like a very not good movie. Yeah, they've got such a great cast. And it's like, it's such a bummer because I really loved the work Matthew Vaughn did on First Class. Yeah, yeah. That's and- one of, that's First Class is honestly the only mainline X-Men movie, so not counting uh, the Wolverine spinoffs or uh, Deadpool, it is the only mainline X-Men movie that I genuinely really like. Right, and, and I agree. It's because I, I lived, you know, I lived them, the, the X-Men movies coming out at a time when there was nothing else, right? When, when X-Men 1 came out, it was a big deal it's like oh man we have a competently made superhero movie for the first time in god knows how long but then also immediately spider-man showed that you could make a superhero movie that wasn't afraid to look like one right right <laughs> so it like, like it immediately took the wind out of x-men sales and then x2 i remember loving when i first saw it like that was like the this is the superhero movie to which all future ones will be judged and right it and just then spider-man does... 2 came out <laughs> And then Spider-Man 2 became the... It took a long time for a movie to dethrone Spider-Man 2 for me. And I yeah. think and I think the one that did it was actually Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse is... I mean, it is now easily my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, I'm actually uh, a Spider-Man 1 guy. Um, me, I love Spider-Man 1, dude. I, yeah. It's hard, it's hard to really decipher between the two of those for me on which one I yeah. like more. Um, but yeah, I think Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite now, but, um, I was talking to someone recently, uh, cause we were talking about like the Spider-Man movies and he was like, and we were just talking about like, oh yeah, Spider-Man one and two are great. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually of the opinion. Uh, I actually like Spider-Man one just a little bit more. And he was like, really? Why? And I was just like, I just really like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a perfectly good reason. Uh, Spider-Man one was an event movie for me. Cause like, right you know, and this this will somehow divert itself back into the X-Men, I'm sure. But yeah. the Spider-Man movies were just so much better than the X-Men movies is what it really they, comes down to. They really are. But, just like, oh man, I remember the first time I really like re-watched the X-Men movies. I watched the first X-Men again when I was like 15 or so. And I was like, this is boring. It, does, it did not age well at all. Yeah. And neither and it, did the second one, unfortunately. No, no. They are uh they do not exactly uh hold up. No. No. So uh so so Spider Man one, you you're still there, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, uh, you sounded like you dropped for a sec. It happened. Yeah, no, I just took a drink. Sorry. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, what are you what are you drinking, by the way? Uh I am drinking Goose Island three twelve. That's a freaking great Beer. Yeah, it's a it's a beer about as good as what a nineteen year old thinks Blue Moon is. Yes, one hundred percent. I actually just have a boring old Sam seventy six, but Sam seventy six is tasty. It's a pretty yeah. solid choice. Yeah, it's I had a case of it, you know, or a twelve pack. It's like, oh, you know, this is it's summertime. This is like the hang out and do yard work kind of drink. So yeah, but no. oh man, now you make me want the three twelve. Ah, 312 oh. such a solid beer granted like 
I am maybe a slight bit uh, biased towards a lot of the uh, Anheuser-Busch products because my dad worked for Anheuser-Busch for a good while. Yep. So that's just what I'm familiar with. Um, but yeah, Goose Island's really good. Well, they, they have a good eye of buying up really good craft breweries and letting them keep their identity. Because yeah. that's what they did with Goose Island. They also did the same with Shock Top. Shock Top is also really good. As yeah. A, as like a solid like Blue Moon alternative. Yes. Um, especially for when you're a younger person. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's everybody. You know, for me, you know, when I was first of the age of drinking beer that wasn't, you know, just whatever the party had the most right. of, um, it was much more IPA heavy to get people in. But really? I remember the first time I had, yeah, which is weird, right? I remember yeah. the first time I had a Blue Moon or a Shock Top, and I was just like, this is delicious. This is beer? Like, that's yeah. <laughs> like, like, this is it tastes wonderful. like sweet almost. And then, and then like... everyone was like, and now you have opened yourself up to the world of Belgians. And yeah. then you go, oh, they make triple and quadruple versions of this? Oh, boy. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> Wheat beers are pretty great, and uh, they are yeah. pretty great. Uh, I love a wheat beer. I love stouts. Yep. God, I love a stout. I love um, what's it called? Uh, I can't. Samuel Smith's organic oh, yeah. chocolate stout. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god, that is indulgent. Have you ever had Old Rasputin Russian Imperial? Stout? I have. I have. That's, That's one of my personal favorites. Solid one. Yeah. I have an imperial stout from a local place that um have you ever heard of the great molasses flood? Um I have heard of it, I don't know much about it. So it happened in Boston's North End. Okay. Um and it's something my mom always talked about and we ended up finding the plaque. So th- they used molasses in manufacturing of some textile for the war effort. Interesting. Um, and so they had this giant badly engineered and badly kept up vat of molasses right on the waterfront in the North end. And, you know, it was leaking, you know, so much so you can hear stories of families that were using it to cook would send their kids with little like tin cups to, Oh my God. To get, and it let go one day and a flood of molasses in like, you know, 90 degree weather in a city, um, went all over everything and basically coated and then hardened and froze people and horses. And it was terrible. And oh god. So my mom's a big history buff and so that was one of her favorite stories to always tell about weird shit that went down in Boston and we finally found the plaque. This was the site of the molasses flood and it's like all right that's awesome. And uh so I found a beer, uh imperial stout made with molasses called the Great Molasses Disaster. Oh man. And um it's made by a local brewery and I bought a can for my mom just to have the can and she thought it was the funniest damn thing. Oh man, that honestly, that's that's hilarious and also sounds amazing. Yes, it's a delicious beer. Um, but yeah, so so back to Spider Man. So that came out, you know, and you said you know you're 23, so you just remember Blockbuster. So you also, you know, the X Men and Spider Man movies were when you were quite young, right? You were, I yeah, X Men, X Men. You were probably like four when that came. Out. Yeah. Because that was 2000. Cause yeah, was that was just 9/11. And Spider-Man 1 was, was 2002. Spri- yeah, because Spider-Man 1 had... You, you know the story of Spider-Man 1's original trailer, right? That had, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the Twin Towers in the yep. trailer. Yep. And they had to edit it out or when they released another trailer. 
they had yeah. to not show them, or it was also in a poster, I think. It was in a poster and at Blockbuster. We had a DVD for a movie that was made by the same production company, and I don't remember what it was, but it had the trailer on it. So when 9-11 happened, we, it was before the movie came out, they recalled them all. And really? We had to get new ones. So if you can find a copy of whatever this movie was with the Spider-Man trailer on it, that was a big deal. Wow. I um, was not familiar with that, but I guess that does sound believable, too. It was such... Happened. Have you ever seen the trailer? The, 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 one, the one with that the got banned? No, I've never actually seen the trailer. Do, do, do you know what happened in it? Uh, he like catches a helicopter in a web, right? Yeah, dude. Like, it, there's a helicopter chasing him, and then the helicopter, like, they cut to like the just the eyes of the guys, you know, flying the helicopter, and it stops. And they're like, "Wait a minute, what?" And the controls, and the camera pans out, and there's just a giant web in between the two towers. Oh the my helicopter. god! And it was such a great trailer. <laughs> like, oh man, like I, yeah, I'm just imagining it. Like before 9/11 happening, that would just be such an evocative and cool like image to have and then just not too long right. after and then you just don't want to remember people at all that they were there which <laughs> i get it <laughs> wow <laughs> right dude yeah that was that was awful i was yeah yeah no you definitely. really can't tell it's funny I, I really it's hard to reminisce about popular culture or living without 9/11 coming up no, because um, with any like, it's it's so much like because once again I was pretty young when it happened, so like I definitely have like memories of the events and like just like the cloud of the the attitude post nine eleven is just like what I grew up in. Yeah. So right. like you know, just kind of it was it's weird reconciling like kind of the the jingoism and the casual islamophobia oh yeah like you know my like it's wild to think now like my dad is a pretty lefty person now uh but i remember like even then you know my dad was a former military and stuff and he was still like a fairly like you know you know it riled him up it riled people up like i remember like People didn't really have an issue with, uh, you know, supporting the war and all that. And it was wild, you know, thinking back on it now, which is this is a weirdly dark uh, <laughs> segue to go with this. But yeah, that's yeah, kinda... no, I, I mean, I, I got into college right after it, right. 2001, right. I, I started college in 2002 and we had friends that went into the military like you know you just know people casually that just didn't decided not to go to college and joined the army and the marines and everything and it you know even the casual well no worse than casual the horrific is islamophobia that came from that the shit they sent pictures back of that they felt justified in and that people applauded that they were doing and like sending over as representatives of the country like you know that was and again, it's 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 retaliation. So there's a lot to, but it, you know, it's 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 disgusting. Like the you know the um what what I'm justified in doing now because of what went down. It's like man, 
And we lived through, you know, you grew up in and we all lived through a time where this was okay, you yeah. know, as far as society was concerned. And it's like, that's, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't feel that we've fully recovered from that. No, I, a, I as like, a world. It, took, it really <laughs> took until like my late teens for me to like really reconcile like a lot of the like beliefs and attitudes I had that just like simply weren't questioned. Right, uh, just not, in, not at all. Yeah, and that I was like, oh wait, like that's just kind of like casually like very bigoted or just prejudiced or fearful in a way that's you know, and not in any way particularly um, reasonable in any. I mean, bigotry is not reasonable uh whatsoever but just like just coming to terms with the fact that i held those beliefs right just sometimes things you say casually in passing with your friends and stuff that you didn't even bat an eye at at the time and then you go wait a minute like i was propagating something because it was just considered okay and you don't even realize it you know like i it's it's hard watching movies just pre and just post that um with the, you know, like you said, Islamophobia, the homophobia that we've moved so far from movies that were considered progressive in the mid to late 90s. You look back on now and you go, oh, man, wow, if this was considered progressive, what was the what were the people that were nasty doing? Right. You right. Know? Like, like, where, where was the bar and who was limboing right under it? Right. It's wild. But yeah, like you said, that they got us into dark territory. So Spider-Man. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> and, Notice, notice how I said the, the reason the show is called the tangent, which which my wife actually coined the phrase when then I, I gave it to Bob was she goes, because whenever I listen to the two of you talk, I can't keep up, <laughs> you know, and that that's exactly I mean, it. It's like a Robin I, Williams joke, right? He goes on for an hour and a half and then circles back to the first part. I mean, a podcast has to be measured by its tangents. If it doesn't have good tangents, what is it for? Right. And that was that was a good one. So. So back to Spider-Man, you know, I, I was thinking recently, you know, and, you know, you, like you said, you've kind of grown up in the post that, so you're, you're growing up, even though it's only 10 years different, you kind of got to grow up in something that me and my friends, as far as from films are concerned, we were waiting a long time to happen. It's like, you know, movies had their, their subgenres and stuff that people were geeky about, right? There's always going to be horror geeks. There's always going to be fantasy geeks, but man, I remember sitting there in a blockbuster when I was working there talking to my friends and, you know, even in school, you'd go, I can't wait for Spider-Man to come out. Me and my buddy, Jared, that every time a new movie came out, we'd leave school on a Friday at like, you know, two o'clock and get in a car or have our parents drop us off and we'd go see a movie. And in high school, I remember being giving shit like Spider-Man ended up doing well, but Spider-Man wasn't like the, the, the dude bro guys that went and saw Spider-Man weren't bragging about it. Right. Right. Whereas me and Jared are like, Oh my God, they finally made Spider-Man. Like, this is going to be such a big deal. Look, he actually has the suit and it looks like a comic book. And I remember that was quite an event to sit in a theater and watch that because it was just like with the first Lord of the Rings. Right. Even though we knew that they've made movies in this genre before, is this one going to work? And then you go there and the whole theater is full of people that are just as excited to see it as you. And for a generation, you know, a few years younger than me, then they got Harry Potter, like right during all this too. Right, man. I love, I love the Harry Potter movies, but 
I became a fan of them because of the films. Right. right? I can't imagine a person a couple of years younger than me that had read that book, seeing that unfold like three or four years after the book came out. It's just like this. So it, it was so exciting to go from being thought of as kind of like an outsider because of liking that kind of stuff to now, you know, you stand in line for friggin' Endgame and everybody and their brother that would have pushed you into a locker in high school wants to see it too. Right. It's wild. <laughs> it you know, so it's made happy. like $2.6 billion at this point. Now and they're you, all... don't, you don't get there until like everyone's seen it twice. Right. It's awesome. I, it, you know, I, I got to see that at a critic screening, the first group of critics that saw it on the East coast um, with my brother. And it, it was very rare that that happens, you know, and they right. have the security there and it was really wild, but about 15 minutes into it, you saw the critics, like you heard like all their notepads and everything going down. And then they were standing up and high fiving and cheering and like, oh <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I was, Oh man, watching Endgame. I saw it um, the Friday. Uh, that would be April twenty second, twenty sixth, whatever that Friday was. The first weekend it was out, so like oh, I was, man. you know, I was already, you know, nervous because people had seen it Thursday night, and like I'm usually not a spoiler phobe, um, but like for whatever reason, like I was just really antsy to like watch the movie before like anything got to me and um just i i went to like our local theater and like we live really close to the uh u of m campus here um so this was like kind of the college uh theater here and watching it with just a crowd of like other like people who are like probably in their early 20s or late teens probably all of us having watched these movies now for 11 years since we were like early teens. Right. Probably like it was wild. Just like the entire last third of the movie was just like everyone cheering. And again, you know, like I've said, a lot of people get really cynical about this stuff, but you, you could tell everybody making it cared. I, I can tell when a movie is firing on all cylinders and you like, okay. Cause people go, well, they're just trying to make money and go, it's a product, dude. It's a product. Everybody's selling a product. I'm having an absolute blast talking to you right now, but from, for whatever it is, this is a product. I, right. I'm doing this cause people like it, but I also can't see myself doing anything else. Cause I think it's a blast, but right. you know, take that out of it, take the cynicism out of it because all we're doing is in the world is trying to sell people stuff. That's that's, but I mean, think about it, right? The thing that these movies are based on is a product to get kids to spend their freaking allowance money on a weekly, you know, comic book. Like the the whole, it's, you know, it's like people that complain. It's like people complain about the new She-Ra and go, well, this isn't for me, you know, and I go, no, they're not making it for you. They're trying to sell it to young kids because young kids are what buy shit. Right. Like, no shit, it's not for you. It's for like whoever is the 12 year old girl who you know 
probably finished watching Adventure Time with her parents and now wants to jump on the next, you know, fun animated fantasy show. Right. And She-Ra is there to fill that void. And it's a fun animated fantasy it show. It really is. And if, I've and seen if both people, seasons. It's solid. And if people are going to make a quality product, I'm not going to crap on them. And that's what, it, you know, I felt watching Endgame. I go, yeah, okay, this is a product. Put the cynicism aside. This is bringing every single one of you together. This is something bigger than the product. This is right. an event. They made an event, and they, they did it with care and respect for the people showing up to see it. And that's right. – it's a celebration, man, and, and a very well-done one. And goddamn, it was so good going in not knowing what to expect. I loved not having a damn thing spoiled. It was so good. And, like, I think the – like, there's plenty to be cynical about – Absolutely. You know, how how Marvel Studios and Disney run as companies. Like, yes, there's plenty to be cynical about that. Um, but like just, you know, to be cynical about people's emotional reactions to the movie, I think is is a little unnecessary. Because right. in the end, you know, especially, you know, when a lot of these people are people my age who, you know, started off by probably watching Iron Man when they were 12 years old <laughs> and now have followed up until this point, like, you know, those emotional reactions are legitimate. Like, those are, that's people, you know, laughing and cheering and some people crying at this movie because it's it's a legitimate and, you know, earned emotional reaction. You know, people don't, cry at movies for no particular reason yeah and and you know not everybody cries at the same stuff right like i there's a lot of people out there that um have no emotional reaction or connection to guardians of the galaxy 2 yeah right that movie destroys me yeah. i can't handle it yeah and, no, the, and the to funeral me, scene kills me yeah and to me that's that's a success right and i don't care what product you think they're selling that that movie will always be personal to me because it's like the writers are talking right to me. Right. Not to everybody, right to me. And Endgame did that to me like five or six times where I just sat there and went, did they really just spend the first half of this movie spending time? Like they literally could have just made the third act of Endgame the whole movie. And right. it still would have been a decent payoff for what they set up. They had the balls to go and give us a half of a movie of exposition again, just right. to set up characters and to give and to pay off emotional beats. They've been building up for 11 years. Everything with Tony Stark and Pepper and their kid just hit. It was home runs. Every bit of it. And I'm just sitting there going, I didn't think I needed this. You know what I mean? But it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's just like, you know, like, nobody is going to be like selling, you know, backpacks that say like, I love you 3000 on it. Like that resonates with people because it resonates. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just and, you know, and then I look at like happy sitting there at the end with Tony's daughter and the, I'm going to get you all the cheeseburgers. And all I could think was my brother sitting there with my daughter. Right. You know, cause that's the way she looks at him. And I'm just like, and, and then, you know, I go in my head shit. Like if I was dead right now that, you know, it would be, it, you know what I mean? The movie 
it makes you go into personal places. Hell, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen Brightburn. Not yet. Not yet. My girlfriend actually wants to see it. it. It's 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 actually really good. It's there's not a lot going on outside of the premise. Right. But I think that's fine. It's a good old fashioned like what the cover box tells you you're getting into is exactly what you're going to get. Like right. little movie. But they do this thing. And again, this isn't blowing anything about plot. They just they do this thing where they show the kid growing up with the family through real footage of I'm sure it's one of the directors or somebody's kid, just like home movies. Mm-hmm. And being a father, I sat there and, you know, knowing already from the trailers where this story is going to go, that just crushed me. Right. Like, instead of it being like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie where you go, oh, man, I can't wait for Freddy to show up and start cutting people up. Every time this kid's empathy drops and he just goes evil Superman. Right. It's so friggin' horrific. And the movie got that so well. It just, it forgot to give it any more subtext outside of that. Right. But But what I personally brought to the movie, you know, in being a father, I sat there and went, you know, how would I feel? Like if, you know, if, if my kid was pure evil, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, wh- how would that affect me with, you know, that, that's a heartbreaking thing. Cause you blame yourself and it's just like, holy shit. Why am I having these feelings right now? Watching a dumb slasher movie with an evil Superman, but man, it, uh, it, it, it shook me in that respect. And I, I liked that about it. Yeah. You know? And that, I feel like then it's probably going into like, the more interesting angle to do that in because you know when I like I myself you know I I'm a pretty big Superman fan myself so like whenever I hear something that's like oh we're doing a an evil Superman story like I'm always a little like reticent about it same here because immediately I'm just like uh is this just gonna be a tedious like oh like he's really strong and strong people can be mean and cruel and tyrannical and like the like the angle that you're going out of like what what would the parents feel about this sounds way more interesting yeah and that's that's where it it would be awesome if the movie went deeper into that but what they do the, the surface of it that they do scratch is the interesting part of the movie and luckily that's the majority of the movie is nice. it's the fallout of how it affects everybody around him right like like they spend a lot of time with the parents being with him and like their relationship working normal so yeah. when so when the veil breaks that like what's really going on with this kid and it's a question the movie doesn't really answer which i think is really cool too is okay is it like an alien sleeper cell thing is it just instinctual you know what i mean like that they're just sending off spores here to take over planets you know what is it and instead of really answering that they leave you with just kind of the way he's reacting to it but so it ends up being kind of, and again, this is me reading into it, but this is, this is what I do, right? It, it, it makes it very sad even for him because it's like the Jurassic Park thing, right? Like the dinosaurs are, you know, if you get eaten by a lion because you're where the lion lives, is the lion really bad? Right. 
you know what I mean? And so if, if this, and so I started thinking that way is it's like, okay, is this, this is, it's like a melancholy, like a, oh man, yeah, this kid just did some horrific things, but the words he says, he doesn't see them as that. Right. It's it's very weird. And, okay. um, and they build these relationships with his family. And, you know, when, you know, when it becomes obvious, who's kind of not making it out of this, um, which, which I won't blow. It just makes okay. it, it just makes it really fucking harsh. It is a nasty, yeah. like, this isn't like a Superman, you know, movie where Superman is conflicted. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no, he murders people and it's not. Like, oh, I'm just gonna kill them. He, he, like, he, it, it, it's like torture. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. It's, I, and, I and saw you're the just trailer. Like, Jesus with the, uh... Christ. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw the trailer with the. Uh, it had the the woman in the uh-huh. diner and the glass breaking. Uh-huh. It was the red band trailer. Uh huh. And oof, like, Have if that's seen... just a taster of the movie, like, ooh, that's yeah, that's just a taster. Yeah, yeah the, the movie is way nastier than that scene. Yeah. Um, but have you seen the remake of Evil Dead? I have not. So so the remake of Evil Dead, I love it. Okay. Um, and, and I am... I thought a, that's the kind of movie that I would fight people if they told me they were going to remake it. But Raimi was involved and Bruce Campbell was involved. They were both executive producers. And I really like the movies that Fetty Alvarez has made. Um, okay. I think Don't Breathe is awesome. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I don't think I have seen that. Have, have you heard the, of it? That's, is that's, that the one where the girl ends up in like a blind guy's house? Yeah, so the, the movie, you're following thieves who break into a blind guy's house to steal money that he supposedly has. And they think he's an easy take because he's right. blind they've been like following him so they immediately put you into okay my protagonists sh- are shitty people but then they put you through the ringer oh, okay this guy was prepared for this and then the shit he does to them right is above and beyond the level of um self-defense let's just right. say so the movie puts you in this horrible moral place of who's good you know right. what I mean? And, and and so it's really strange um and really, really well done and really nasty. And so okay. his so his remake of Evil Dead, there's no outside of the third act, the third act definitely becomes an Evil Dead movie, and I, I won't blow you how, but the third act definitely gets fun, okay. let's say is the word. But the first two acts are unrelentingly bleak um and the so the the way so and again not that it's not a remake of evil dead it's still got the kid person locked in the basement trying to get out and taunting the people above and pretending you know it's still got all the right things but the cool twist they put on it is that these kids are taking their um friend who's detoxing out to this cabin to help them get off drugs So they're going to be there to help them through the DTs. So the friend is the first one to get possessed. So they just think we, you know what I mean? This is just what a person going through DTs is like. Okay. So they, it gives you like a little while before the shit really hits the fan and they really, so it gives a good reason for why they didn't just beat it out of that cabin when they first got there. Right. You know, that's such an interesting spin on it. Cause like, 
don't know, because you're so used to, like, you know, horror movies giving you shitty teens to hate. Yes. Uh, just, like, you know, that immediately sounds like a really sympathetic premise. It is. It's it's ingenious, and it makes it makes a movie which, um, you know, it, the first Evil Dead is, is a horror movie. And, yeah. And yeah. this one is definitely leaning heavy on that, and Brightburn in the in a similar vein is just instead of the gore being fun, it's incredibly realistic and incredibly bleak. Okay. Like it's just torture for these poor people. And so you're just like, oh my God. Like <laughs> and then when it gets to the third act, it, it you you can see it just goes like, and now we will do an homage to Sam Raimi. And the it literally begin begins raining blood out of the sky um and it's just insane how great the third act of this movie is and um yeah it's it's just wonderful um but but yeah so we we got here from spider-man again and sam raimi you know it's all it's all all so oh and this this was all the talk about x-men so you were talking about yeah pre and post 9-11 and changes in quality right yeah and changes in taste and culture because like x-men has so in so many ways has changed and in so many ways has not changed yeah the now almost 20 years this franchise has existed it almost yes. fights change. Like you can see first class just attempting to shed the um shed the facade of what came before it. Right. And, it and took, Days of Future and Past just comes right back. Oh man, I hate Days of Future Past so much. And it's I such just... a bummer because that's a great premise. And they had again such a great cast. My problem with Days of Future Past is I only liked the stuff in the past. Right. I just Oh I found God. that stuff fascinating, and then everything in the future, I went, this is generic Every time they stupid. cut to the future, stop. It's so boring, and it has the dumbest Sentinels ever in any X-Men thing, and just... Oh remember, I... remember back before everybody realized that Brian Singer was a shitty human being, and... Um, and like, he was just a shitty director. Yeah, but there was like that thing, you know, remember, he made X, X1 and X2, and then it was like, alright, because he stood up and acted like the good guy and said, no, I'm not going to make an X-Men movie with all these at characters and everything in it. And I'm dropping out to make my Superman movie, you know, um, then they made X three and everybody thought that was the problem. Yeah. And it turns out it's not, it's just that, you know, these are not particularly well scripted movies and yeah. uh, they're kind of uninteresting and plainly shot. And, Oh my god, there's so much about the X-Men movies that I'm frustrated with and how this franchise has treated the reboot since first class has been incredibly frustrating. And it's it's so weird that the same studio that can make first class and can make Deadpool and can make Logan can also make Origins and Apocalypse. Yeah. And even like, like as a mixed bag like the Wolverine yeah, the wool and and at least at least with the Wolverine and Logan, that same director went. You know what? I can do this. Like, just let me try again. Yeah, I'm the really same glad guy. that. Um, <laughs> shoot, 
Ah, uh, what's his name? Mangold. James Mangold. James Mangold. And he's a really great director on his own right. And it's he is. really great that he got another chance to come back for another movie. Yeah, Logan. Logan was so friggin' good. Logan, like, I like tell people, like, I, I, I do not like the X-Men movies for the most part. And I love Logan. Like, Yeah, Logan makes me want to like the X-Men movies. Like, right. it makes me want to find something good in there. Like, come on, man. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, Hugh Jackman is a really great actor. And Patrick Stewart is a really great actor. And we discovered Daphne Keene, who's yes. a really great actress. And, like... Uh, it's great that she's going to be on that uh, Golden Compass TV show. Yeah, which uh, actually I'm excited about. Like, there's I'm stuff you can do with that. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty interested in it. I'm, you know, I'm actually pretty excited to see HBO's uh, post Game of Thrones lineup. I'm excited for the Watchmen show. I know most a lot of people aren't, but I'm looking forward to it. See, I love I love the Watchmen. So more Watchmen, even if I'm apprehensive about that show, um, makes me happy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in them. You know, James Lindelof has proved to be a pretty, pretty competent showrunner. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, the, the thing, at the, least. the thing with Logan, you know, I hadn't seen it for about a year after it came out. Um, my brother's original reaction, he said, he goes, I'm not going to tell you really what I thought of it until you see it. And I saw it and I called him up and I was just gushing about it. I'm like, oh, my God, the. You know, the it was great to see Jackman, you know, just fully get to, like, go off the deep end with that character. And, like, you've earned this, dude. You've been trying your ass off to get this character right. You've been good, no matter how the movies have been. And I'm glad you get, like, a little send-off movie. That's great. Good for you. And I'm talking to him about it, and he goes, yeah. He goes, but what's your final reaction on it? He goes, there's a thought you're going to have. And I was like, yeah. They should never, ever fucking do this again. Yeah, like, no, literally, never I don't, back. we should never come back to this. He's like, exactly. He said, exactly. It's too perfect. And they, they shouldn't do this with any other franchise. Like, we don't need to see the, you the know. Logan of Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. Just stop. Like, this is perfect. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah, like, Hugh Jackman earned it by being in that role for 17 years. Like, and never giving up on it. Yeah, like he is, you know, he's been in that franchise through a f- a few good movies and a lot of bad, and he ended up uh, finishing it off in the best one of the entire franchise. And awesome. you know, it's in it's great for him. Like, actually, both him and Patrick Stewart. Like, Patrick Stewart should also never come back, uh, right. for any reason. And and he actually, um. Because uh, what's his name? Um, Jackman had said before Logan finished wrapped, he he wasn't doing it anymore. And I don't know if you saw the Patrick Stewart reaction to watching Logan. Did, did you hear about this? I think so. Where he was like, "Yeah, I don't think I can come back well, either." After what's this. so cool about it is they they got to see the cut of the movie together, and they had them both in the theater together. And he said, "I'm watching it with Hugh and." the movie tur- is over and I turn and look at Hugh Jackman and Hugh Jackman is crying and he looks at me and I'm crying and we looked at each other and 
I, he said, I just stood up and said, you know what? Nope, I'm done. I'm walking out right now and telling them I will never play Professor Xavier again. And yeah, it's like, that's awesome. <laughs> he, it, and it's great, you know, and I, you know, I hope that, you know, they can't bring the biggest, you know, dump truck of money to get them to come back. I hope that, you know, they stick well, by it. Cause... If, they, if they ever do, I hope it's a long, long time from now and they're both stupid old. And it'll just be something for like our kids' kids to kind of like get a wink from, yeah, you know, yeah. or something. That's when it's okay. Like if they're gonna like Harrison Ford it in The Force Awakens, you know, down the line, cool. You yeah, know what I mean? No, You've earned it at that point. Cool. You know, if they ever decide to, you know, in the MCU do like a multiverse hopping gag and just like jump from like universe to universe, and they jump and meet, you know, old man Logan again, that'd be great. Well, I loved what they did with um with Hugh Jackman in First Class. Yeah. That was so funny because everyone was like, this movie will not do well. You can't make an X-Men movie without Wolverine. So they had that wonderful scene. Hi, my name is Charles Xavier and I'm fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I thought that was wonderful. Oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. I don't... I'm trying to think if there's any other PG-13 that has as perfect of its one f-bomb drop no i don't think there is i th- I think that's the one <laughs> i think that's the one so i was gonna say um i i want to try to wrap this um because we've been going for over an hour and i'm really okay. tired yeah but, no, understandable. but i would love to invite you to come back on sometime oh man i would love to because because i think um what like this show keeps showing me <laughs> every you know i I, th- I think that this is this is good and i i think uh i think we've got a lot more we could talk about so go back through your google doc and come up with something cool and we'll just do and we'll just do an episode of your college show <laughs> you know right. what I mean? but um I w- I another will... episode of spoiler alert yes i will touch on one thing though that you said so you, you were talking about dicaprio what was the actual title of that Oh, the title of that topic was Best Versus Most Acting, or Why Leonardo DiCaprio is a Great Actor, But He Had to Eat a Bison Liver to Get an Oscar. That's awesome. So I I think we could delve into that more in another one, but I've always, since about, I'm trying to think of the first movie where it really popped into my head, but it was like the popular thing to shit on that guy. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. like I was a teenager when all of the girls were falling for him. So right. that was like, it, it's just like what we do, right? It's toxic masculinity. It's like, oh, yeah. he's kind of impish and, you know, effeminate looking and they like him. He's awful. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the reaction. But, um, you know, it wasn't shortly after Titanic. And even I think he's actually good in Titanic. But yeah, it, it's not shortly after that where I went, oh, shit. You know, even though Scorsese for a while was trying to jam him down people's throats and right. kind of cast him a little too young for Howard Hughes, even though that movie was awesome. I was about awesome. to say, was The Aviator like the big one that yeah. turned people, or was I, it maybe like Catch Me If You Can? Well, The Aviator and Catch Me If You Can were really close together, um, and I don't remember which one came out first. Uh, but, but what do you think, if, if you, you know, without, without having to delve into it too much, we can end on this, what do you think his best role is? Uh, for me, um, I think Shutter Island is great. Dude, 
Wow, for the first time, someone picks the same one as me. I All love right. Shutter Island. Oh, uh, my Shutter. God. Like, I feel like the easy answer for, like, guys my age is going to be, like, Django Unchained. But, like... Oh, he's fantastic in that, but there's something really good about in Shutter that, Island. But, like, he's actually the main character in Shutter Island, and Shutter Island is great. And I think that's when Scorsese got him best. Yes, and, you know, it's Shutter Island, I think, is the first time since Cape Fear that Scorsese really returned to, I'm doing a genre movie. Yeah. Like, and he's like, I'm going to get people to show up to a genre movie. When when um, Shutter Island starts up and that really heavy Hitchcock-style soundtrack that's almost so loud it drowns out all the dialogue kicks up, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, he made, like, a 1950s, 1960s, like, spook show movie. This is going to be a blast. Like, right. I can't wait. <laughs> like, you, you can't forget that moment when, like, like, I mean, spoilers for Shutter Island people, but this is, yes. like, a 10-plus-year-old movie at this point. So, whatever. Um, but, like, that moment when, like, he sees um, his wife on the island and it, like, goes to her back and her back is just completely scorched. Yep. Like that is just a that's an image that just like immediately grounds you in oh no this is a a really weird fucking movie. Have you how many times have you watched it? Just one time. Please watch it, it again. I saw it like a year or two ago. Watch it again, dude. Like I I saw it in the theater and I loved it. And I remember coming out of the theater and having a few things in my head going I think there's continuity issues in this movie and they were really glaring and they bothered me and I went back and watched it and they're all intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I saw there's, on there's, about it. There's yeah. a shot in the movie where he's being, where him and uh, Mark Ruffalo are interviewing patients. Right. And you realize the- when you look at the scene later that it was actually Ruffalo interviewing him. Yeah. <laughs> but Every time he goes to reach for a glass of water and they cut the camera to an angle that shows him and Ruffalo, he's picking up nothing. Right. And it's always a quick shot, but there's no fucking water. Like he's that freaking nuts that there's literally no water. (laughs) Right. And I know like people like in the past have like made fun of Scorsese because he's not a big continuity person. No, but you know. everything in that was intentional. That was Shyamalan level intentional. Right. Like, right. And, it... <laughs> and we mean that... this in the most positive way. Well, and I... that's what I mean. I, I love M. Night Shyamalan. I, I even love his no, shit. But I mean... there's there's something about Scorsese showing that he can out Shyamalan Shyamalan with that movie that made me so happy. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, no, Shutter Island is definitely it, and and Django was great. Um, you know, he's he's just it's cool how underestimated I think he was, and he's really come into his own. And I can't wait to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen the trailer for it. Oh, yet. dude, the trailer is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, all I really know about it is that apparently, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter is like in it, and like, yes, she one is. Sh- yeah, and I was just like, oh, that's really cool. Speaking of Kevin Smith, um, even though this will play after, I'm sure their episode. I'm do. Did have you ever heard the stuff the Geeks with Shields guys do? Uh, I'm not too familiar with them. So they're they're um, uh, a couple of guys that are you know best friends. They've been really good friends for a long time, and they run a podcast and had me on. They're 
outside of local friends are the first people's show I've ever been on. Okay. Guest. And we did this thing that we concocted together called the Spielberg Smackdown. Okay. We went through Steven Spielberg's entire filmography and decided on one that could remain as like a time capsule. Like if you had to not. Okay. Like and if something has to go into the canon of. Yes. Film. And so it was, it was fun. And we ended up, even though it didn't seem like it was going to go this way, we ended up with Raiders. Like of all okay. of the movies, we ended up with Raiders. It was weird. Like how we got there. Um, so we decided to do Kevin Smith and the reason for the next one, we're recording it this Wednesday. And the reason we decided on Kevin Smith is the two of them have seen almost none of his movies. Oh, okay. And so it's very weird. You talk about things that didn't age well, like with the X-Men movies. Holy crap. I went back and watched chasing Amy a week, a couple days ago. Oh boy. I haven't watched chasing Amy. I've seen clerks. Oh my God. Watch Watching Chasing Amy in today's world with the knowledge of how the acceptance of gay and lesbian and just the acceptance of different people in society have gone every line and it just cuts. It's like, oh, God, man, you you, you thought you were really woke, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I think <laughs> he himself has kind of, like, walked back on it because uh-huh. like, he's, a, he's a fairly progressive guy. He um, is, and that and... was incredibly progressive movie when it came out (laughs) yeah so like i think i think he's kind of walked back on it now and he jokes about chasing amy now um but man yeah no i i've yet to see it but i've heard that i've heard it has not aged particularly well it's it's a goddamn shame because it it it's probably the best written movie he's written okay it's 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 really well structured like because he's basically just doing a what if i made a romantic comedy right but made it as vulgar and as quick talking and intelligent as one of my you know dumb jane silent bob movies which i I, and he's he's probably i wouldn't i don't feel he's the director that has made the best movies of my favorite directors but i just he kind of is you know, me and my friends from Blockbuster, it's it's all Kevin Smith all the time, right? They just mean right. most to me. So to go back and watch Chasing Amy and have it fall so gross in some ways, I'm like, oh, this is a bummer, man. Yeah, but, it's it's a real, it sounds like it's a real victim just to like, uh, what a, you know, as far as, you know, I know, a very well-meaning straight white guy. Yes. Uh, trying yes. to trying to make a very well-meaning movie um exactly but... and and it's just incredible to think of you know like when i was like 13 and i saw that movie i was way too young to see it but i was a huge kevin smith fan so i get and to me to think okay you know th- this stuff made me uncomfortable like this is making me change my view on stuff and to look at it now and go wow like he he basically wrote um, Jason Lee's character is basically the idea is he's reacting to things the way your like shitty um, friend that like makes gay jokes all the time would react to everything. Right. But it's just knowing everyone that sounded like that guy grow like in high school. That's how everybody talked. And it's just like, I can't hear somebody call somebody, you know, 
gay slur number three anymore right. without just like feeling really embarrassed because it's like man everybody threw that shit around like it was nobody's business and it's like ah this sucks this yeah, sucks and, and i get it's in there it's in the movie to be like you know this guy is wrong for acting this way but it you still like the basic story is you know ben affleck thinks he can change a girl who's gay to be into him and they and they you know attack that and meet that right head on in the movie but they don't really there's no subtext to it after that it's just you know right like it's it's and a then his whole thing and not really like it. a you systemic should, thing yeah and, and yeah you should see it because it definitely has like some really good stuff in it but it also doesn't know how to end and mm-hmm. like where the movie ends up, I, I remember used to thinking like, oh, that's a really cool thing they did. And then I think of it now and I go that no one learned anything. Like, <laughs> OK, it, it's very weird, right? All but, right. I need to see this because um, I, I I'm interested in this just because like I follow Kevin Smith a lot. I listen to yeah. his podcast. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, and, he's a great, dude. Yeah. He, you know, he's a very charming and funny person to listen to. And I've watched Clerks, and I feel like Clerks still holds up really well. Like Clerks does. Clerks and Clerks Two. Clerks Two um, revisits a lot of the emotional beats he tried to pull off in Chasing Amy, and does them better. Like, okay. like he they they give Randall a lot more character in Clerks Two. And allow him to kind of be the stand-in for like the old guard of like immature thinking, but kind of it 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 works a lot better in that movie. Okay, um, I need I've, to get I've, around to seeing Clerks yeah. Two. I've Clark, seen Clark, Clerks Two is phenomenal. Like, okay, Clerks Two. Remember how I talked about there's scenes in you know like I talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies that hit me. Clerks Two has a third act. Um, come to Jesus basically between all of the main characters that anyone that's grown up through Kevin Smith's movies get he basically cut opens his wrist on screen and just goes here's everything I'm thinking right now and just bears himself and you just go through his characters and you just go holy shit like it is such and emotionally transparent. He, he's just standing there naked. You know what I mean? Just telling you how he feels about himself as a filmmaker and himself as a friend. And you're just like, holy shit. And it, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to behold. And it's a perfect end to everything he was doing. Like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is a funny way to end that universe, but reopening it for Clerks 2 is a very emotional way. So I'm okay. interested to see what this reboot ends up being. Yeah, he, I'm really curious about that. I mean, he seems to be in a good place. I've watched all the production diaries. Um, I'm actually one of the few people that doesn't hate Red State and Yoga Hosers and Tusk. So I I'm actually pretty pretty good with Red State. I actually don't think it's too bad of like a little nasty horror movie. I agree. And uh, I haven't seen Tusk. Yoga Hosers is a little all over the place. Yes, it is. Yoga <laughs> Hosers. Yoga Hosers is watching like your buddy get a chance to make you know the full moon movie from the eighties they always wanted to make. Like that's if, what Yoga Hosers was to me. Yoga Hosers feels like if Kevin Smith had a YouTube channel and he was twenty years yes. younger, yes. that's what he would make. 
Yes. And and I love it for it. It's not good, but it's a blast. No, no it's not. You know but, what I mean? but you can feel him just have like he had a goofy time with his daughter and just made a very silly movie. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. And but Tusk, man, Tusk is Tusk is special. Okay. <laughs> Tusk yeah, should, I've been should, me- Tusk should be seen to be believed. Tusk is something else. Yeah, I need to see it. All right, so um, we got to do the the wrap up. Um, okay, but yeah, yeah, I'd like to have you back on. So, All right. um, so again, um, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed hearing me and Alex get to know each other. Andy, sorry, Andy. Wow, dude, that oh shows how God. tired I am. I'm leaving that in because no it makes worries. me sound like an ass. <laughs> no, um, no. So meet me, me and Andy to... getting to know each other. Andy, before before I wrap up, is there anything you want to promote or pitch or tell anybody? Um, let's see if you're trying to like find me anywhere on the internet. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, at super the Andres. Um, basically I just tweet whatever's on my mind. And, um, if you want to catch me elsewhere, I've been on a, as a guest on two episodes of the school of movies podcast. Um, I was on the, uh, Transformers episode, the first Michael Bay Transformers episode. Don't listen to me on that one because I was 18 and dumb. Um, and then I was also on the Hamilton episode. Uh, nice. And that one uh, was actually pretty solid. So I'd recommend uh, if you want to catch me anywhere else, catch me there. All right. Sweet. Thanks, dude. And um, so I definitely am going to be having Andy back on again. And until next time, thank you all for shooting the shit with Chippa. Have a great night. <laughs>